the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dr. Bill, your radio MD, welcome to the show. We're doing a big show today, pre-Christmas show. Oh, boy. Everybody ready for Christmas? Got everything bought and packaged and wrapped and gift cards on it and sent out to all the family and friends? Oh, what a great time of year, huh? And it's a time that we honor Jesus and his birth. Not that I'm a big believer in the metaphysical, but what a nice guy, huh? Good message. Peace, love. Be kind to one another, get along, you know, those sort of things. I think that's a good message, and I'm all for that. So, by the way, I did get the wife a new car for Christmas. Oh, boy, we got her a Acura mini SUV. I forget which denomination it is, but uh, she's very happy. And so her, her old car, which is a 2003 Ford Expedition is now mine, and I'm going to semi-retire my 20-year-old F-150 pickup truck. Oh, boy, so I'm stepping up in the world. Everybody's happy. We're all snuggled in our new home, and it's all looking good for Christmas. Although the president's having a little bit of trouble, but he seems to be weathering that well. Now, i got a few things I want to talk about medically before I go into politics and religion and all that. Uh, Mary, our marketing miss at the at the station and she's now uh, temporarily in charge since everybody's on vacation she asked me about uh, some of the over-the-counter medications and were they digested and were they absorbed and how did they work and so I started talking to her about digestive enzymes and how all that works in the stomach and in the small intestines. And she was fascinated. She said, you need to talk about that on the show, Dr. Bill. Oh, my God, people would love that. Well, I don't know if you do or not, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. So digestive enzymes are the things that break down food. And you got to think of food like uh, uh, and, and digesting it and absorbing it and making something with it in your body, like making concrete or cement. So what happens is you go to... Uh, a limestone quarry, and first you got to blast the rock out, and that's the production of the food. And then that is brought into the plant, which is your mouth, and you start breaking down the big pieces with your teeth, just like the big jaws of a rock crusher break down the big pieces of uh, limestone into smaller pieces. Then it goes into another hopper, which is your stomach, And the acids in your stomach start breaking down things more. Now, mainly they break down sugars, carbohydrates, which are sugars. And they also start to break down some of the proteins that come through the gut, through the stomach. But it's mainly an acid bath. It's about a pH of 2 or 3, which is pretty acidic. You could probably 
drop a, a, a piece of steel or iron down in your stomach, and if it didn't get out of your stomach, it'd be dissolved within the day. And so then, from there, the sugars that have been broken down, and by the way, we can't break down every sugar, you know, we can't break down cellulose like cows do. Uh, so tree bark is not in our diet. And by the way, guess what we use to coat capsules that we don't want to be broken down in the stomach. We want them to go into the small intestines because some medications and some uh, uh, supplements will be destroyed by the acidic environment of the stomach. So we coat those with cellulose-type compounds and synthetic celluloses because cellulose is, is not digested by humans. We can't break it down. So we have some other things that we use, some man-made products, and we coat the pills with that, and that way the medication or the supplements within the pills are not broken down in the stomach, and they make it into the small intestines. Well, what happens in the small intestines? In the small intestines, the pancreas, which is a both an exocrine and endocrine gland, it, it both secretes into the small intestines and also into the bloodstream. It's a unique little organ, and it secretes lipases and proteases and amylases and nucleases into the small bowel where the lipases, lipids, fats are broken down into more basic uh, um, uh, essential fatty acids and oils, and then these are absorbed because big molecules are not absorbed by the gut. The small bowel won't take them in, so they have to be in a specific fashion before they're absorbed. And then we have proteases and peptidases, protease, proteins. And so this splits proteins into smaller particles uh, called amino acids and peptides, which are the building blocks of proteins. Proteins make our muscles and other parts of the body. Amylases, which split sugars and carbohydrates like starch into simpler sugars like glucose, which is what is absorbed. So everything that you eat that's a carbohydrate is broken down into the simple sugar glucose, or you poop it out. And then nucleases split nucleic acids. Nucleic acids are the building blocks of our DNA and our RNA. So that's how the digestive system works, and that's how we get medications past the stomach and into the small bowels so that then they are there released, and they are there uh, absorbed by the, by the body without further uh, without further breakdown. So once all this basic ground-up limestone dust gets into the system, then it's put back together into various forms. So the amino acids and the small peptides are hooked back together to make proteins that we need, and the lipases and the fatty acids that have been broken down are used for making uh, other bigger, more complex fats, and what we don't use, we store, and so we make things like cholesterol in our bodies, and then the starches and sugars are burnt as fuel, and what's not burnt is put back into longer-chain sugars called carbohydrates and stored in the liver and other parts of the body, and then the nucleic acids are used to make RNA and DNA, and that's how our digestive system does it in, in a nutshell. So, just like a rock-crushing plant that makes dust for cement and concrete, we have the oral cavity, which is the big rock crusher, the stomach, which is a smaller crusher, and the small intestines, which is the final common pathway. It breaks it down, and then we can get it in. Oh, boy. Pretty cool, huh? So that's how it works, and that's for 
my good friend Mary, and I hope that she's listening today. Oftentimes she won't listen, but that's okay. I still love her. Now, I also had uh, a little little blurb from my buddy Ken, who's a retired ophthalmologist, and he said that there is a new treatment coming out for presbyopia. What the heck is presbyopia? 100% of people get presbyopic as they get older. That's the ability to see things up close. So that's why we get reading glasses as we get older so that we can see our, our textbooks and our computer screens up close. So it's our inability to see clearly at a normal working distance, you know, about arm's length or a little bit closer, while we are fully corrected for distant vision. So this is 100% of the population gets this. What is this? This is stiffening of the lens of the eye. The lens of the eye is a biconvex uh, disc that sits behind our, our cornea. And if you look at the colored part of the eye, that is the iris. Those are actually muscles, and those muscles are attached to the, uh, the lens of the eye. And they pull on it, and it's, it's a flexible little organism, and it stretches and it comes back together and by doing that we can focus just like a camera focuses only a camera focuses by moving the lens in and out we focus by expanding and contracting our lens to make it more concave or more convex and that's how we focus but as we get older that little organelle gets stiff and we can't pull on it enough to uh, to make it uh, uh, capable of focusing things that are close up to us. So then we have to use reading glasses. Or there's other treatments there uh, that are available and they're surgical. And so you can go to your ophthalmologist and they can do uh, different functions uh, uh, with the laser. Uh, they can implant a new artificial lens. They can give you two different lenses, one that is uh, a near lens and one that is a far lens. And then you have to learn how to focus with one eye or the other, depending on what you're looking at and what you're reading. And a lot of people like that. And uh, they've also tried uh, laser therapy, like radiokeratotomy and LASIK and those sorts of things, which everybody's heard about. And of course, you can always go to just your reading glasses. You can get contacts that are reading glasses. Uh, you, you can do a whole lot of different things, but what's new is there are drops now being developed. And these drops, will return the lens to its younger state and make it more flexible. And these drops are in the, uh, the, the experimental stage now. They're being tried on humans. And, and this is a really neat thing. And my friend Ken said we should talk about that. And I think that's a good thing to bring forward to let you guys know that there are new medical treatments on the horizon that will hopefully help keep our lenses younger and keep them more pliable so that we don't have to wear reading glasses, so we don't have to get uh, a lens implant and have cataract surgery, so we don't have to uh, have radiokeratotomy or LASIK or one of these other procedures. So I'm looking forward to that coming out on the market. How close is it to uh, finalization? Well, it's certainly in, in human uh, uh, protocols now, and they're they're using it and doing research on it, so I'm thinking that we'll see something here in the near future, uh, maybe within the next five years. 
pretty cool beans. Pretty cool beans. That would be really awesome. Of course, the the optometrists are not going to be happy. The the bifocal industry and the reading glass industry is not going to be happy. But you and I'll be happy, and the drug companies will be happy. Whoever develops this and comes out with it first, they're going to make a mint, make a mint on that. So when I find out what company is going to be marketing that, I'll let you know so you can go out and buy some stock. That's the way to do it, homie. Well, we're still on this impeachment thing. You would think that uh, that we would have moved on, but no. Not only have we not moved on, Nancy Pelosi's not going to send it forward to the Senate until she's assured that there'll be a fair trial. Well, of course, she doesn't have any control over that. The House has a sole power of impeachment, and the Senate has a sole power of hearing the case. And they have their own rules. Both houses have their own separate rules on how this works. And all this has been tried uh, before multiple times. And uh, the House and the Senate are the legislative aspect of our government, but they're also separate within their own home, within the Capitol building. They have uh, separate rules and uh, separate protocols. And so this is, uh, this, this is not going to work for her to say, no, I'm not going to send it forward until we're assured of a fair trial. Now, by the way, the House acts as the prosecuting attorney in the trial. So when it goes to the Senate, the House will have their attorneys and their witnesses come in, and they'll make their case for removing the president from office. And then the president will get to state his case, since it's a trial, and it has to be open to the public. That means we get to see it on TV if we're so, uh, if we're so inclined, and we can see what happens. But the Senate has their own rules, and they do the things their way and not the way the House tells them to do it. Now, the House would love to, to be uh, uh, um, the sole branch of government. They think that uh, the popular vote should be what rules the country. And, of course, the Founding Fathers said, no, we don't think that's going to work. And a lot of the states said, no, we're not going to join if that's the way it is because the small states will be overwhelmed by the big states, by the big population states. So the trial in the Senate is separate uh, from the act of impeachment itself. And uh, the impeachment proceedings, the defendant doesn't risk anything other than removal from office. So there's no for forfeiture of life or liberty or property. Uh, there's no fines. There's no imprisonment. Uh, and the criminal charges, if any, uh, are brought by jurisdictions after the person is removed from office. Now, who, who can be removed from office? Well, federal appointees uh, who are federal judges and presidents and vice presidents and members of the cabinet, they can all be removed by uh, by impeachment and by being found guilty in the Senate. And so impeachable offenses are treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And officers who are subject to impeachment are civil officers of the United States. By the way, the House and the Senate are not civil officers. They're not appointed. They are uh, elected officials, and they have their own rules and regs for removing someone within their chambers that they think is uh, not worthy of being in the in the House or the Senate who has committed such egregious crimes or uh, such uh, uh, 
irresponsible acts that uh, it warrants their removal. So the the Constitution is uh, pretty specific according to the Constitution, to uh, Article One, Section 2, the House of Representatives shall have the sole power of impeachment. Only the House can impeach. So the House is the branch that says, uh, we think there's a crime here and we're charging the president with a crime. A crime against the people of the United States, by the way. Not only is it uh, possible to be a a civil or criminal crime, but it's also a crime against the people, according to the House. Now, in Article One, Section 3, the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. The Senate, not the House. So Nancy Pelosi cannot say to the Senate, I'm not sending the articles impeachment forward until you assure me there's going to be a fair trial. Well, it's, <laughs> she doesn't have any control over that. And if she doesn't send the articles forward, then there is no trial. When sitting for this purpose, uh, the senators shall be on oath of affirmation. When the president is tried, the chief justice shall be the presiding judge. And no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two-thirds of the members present. So you have to have a two-thirds majority of the senators to convict somebody. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to remove from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. In other words, you can't hold an office if the Senate says you can't hold an office. Now, they can kick you out of your position as president or vice president or secretary of state or a federal judge, uh, and then they can say, well, we don't think it's bad enough that you can't run for another office we just don't want you in this office at this point in time. But if you get convicted and you are thrown out of office, you're still subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to our everyday laws. And the president cannot grant a pardon to someone who's been impeached by the Congress or and impeached and found guilty. He can't do that. He doesn't have that power under the Constitution. That's Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution. The president shall have power to grant repre reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in the cases of impeachment. And the president and vice president under Article 2, Section 4, and all civil officers of the U.S. shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, why did the founders say high crimes and misdemeanors? Why weren't they more specific? Well, there was a lot of debate in 1787 about this, and some wanted a, a more narrow and stricter uh, definition. Others wanted a more liberal definition, and uh, Hamilton and Madison and different people pointed out that if you make it too easy, then uh, one party will use it to beat up on another party's president, and nothing will get done. Basically, the uh, president will serve at the leisure of Congress. And Alexander Hamilton said in the Federalist Papers, which were uh, arguments for the Constitution in 1787, 88, 89, uh, when the young government was trying to set up a new constitution to supersede the Articles of Confederation, which weren't working. And by the way, Hamilton, the boy genius of the of, of our revolution and of the formation of our government. He was instrumental in writing the 
the uh, Constitution of the United States. He and Madison pretty much put it together, of course, with input from others. And Madison did the actual handwriting of it. So Alexander Hamilton in the Federalist Papers described impeachable offenses as arising from the misconduct of public men, or in other words, from the abuse or violation of some public trust. And so this is what the Democrats are going on. They're saying that uh, President Trump has abused and violated the public trust. And Hamilton was quick to point out that such offenses were political as they relate chiefly to injuries done immediately to the society itself. So now we have to decide, is what Trump has done, is that injurious to our society? And we're pretty evenly split on this. I think there's a little bit uh, for uh, the uh, finding him not guilty than there are for finding him guilty. Uh, so according to this reasoning, impeachable conduct uh, could all include all kinds of behavior that violate an official's duty to the country. And that means even trust, the trust of the country. And so this gives Congress a, a, a lot of leeway to decide what they think is an impeachable offense. High crimes and misdemeanors, a broad reading, uh, finds that there's a number of offenses that are considered impeachable depending on the Congress and who's in power and who has the control of the House and the Senate. So this is a remedial tool for maintaining constitutional government. And it's a matter of uh, ensuring that there's not an imperial presidency, that we don't have a king. And remember, the English kings, until the English Revolution in the uh, 1640s, uh, had uh, absolute immunity from impeachment and from being tried by parliament. And, of course, the Puritans, when they got control of the government and they were anti-royalty uh, and anti-monarchy, uh, they tried, I think it was Charles I, and Charles I said, you don't have the authority to try me. I am, I am appointed by God over you. And they said, yeah, right. And they hung his ass. They hung him out the window. We were... We were at the uh, building where they hung him, and it's the same building that Winston Churchill used as his headquarters down the street from Parliament during World War II. Pretty cool. A lot of history there. That building's been there since uh, 1600. I think since the, the, the Great Fire of London, I think it was built after that. So they hung him. And so the, the, the framers of the Constitution said, well, we don't want that kind of uh, a situation where the president's calling himself immune from prosecution and the uh, Congress getting so mad that they take him out and hanging. We're, we're more civilized than that. And the Constitutional Convention rejected language that had permitted impeachment for maladministration. And Madison said that such a vague term as it will be equivalent to a tenure during pleasure of the Senate. So if they didn't like something the president did, they'd impeach him for maladministration. So they tightened it up, but they left it loose enough that there would be wiggle room in there. And so Congress in general has uh, three types of wrongdoings that are impeachable. Uh, although these can be expanded uh, indefinitely, as we see with Trump. 
One is improperly exceeding or abusing the powers of the office, and so that's what Congress is saying, that Trump has abused the powers of office. Behavior Number two, behavior incompatible with the function and purpose of the office. And three, misusing the office for improper purpose for or for personal gain. So they're saying that he is abusing his powers of office and that he is obstructing justice, which is incompatible with the function and purpose of his office. And, by the way, not all criminal conduct is impeachable. So when Nixon was impeached, one of the, one of the uh, articles that they wanted to impeach him on was tax fraud. And it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, that's, that doesn't have anything to do with the presidency or his elected position. That's his personal tax returns. I doubt Nixon even ever saw his tax returns. He probably didn't know what was in them. I don't think the guy could, could, uh, could have counted the money in, in, the, uh, in the bank account he had. So Congress alone may decide for itself what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors. Congress has that power. And the Supreme Court said, Congress, you don't have the authority to determine whether the Senate properly tried a defendant. They decided that in Nixon versus the United States. So the House, and this was set up intentionally to keep the two parties, the two houses, uh, at, at an arm's length uh, uh, relationship when it comes to uh, impeaching and convicting uh, uh, a public official like the president or the vice president uh, who has been appointed or elected, uh, secretary of state, uh, and it's it's meant to be that way. And so Nancy Pelosi has no right to tell the Senate, I'm not sending the articles of impeachment over to you until you guarantee me that there will be a fair trial. You want a fair trial, Nancy? Send your lawyers. Send your legal team over there. You're the prosecuting attorneys. You do it. And the uh, Supreme Court said, that's right. You can't tell, the House can't tell the Senate how to run their trial. And so Gerald Ford, who was later president, he said that the criteria, as he saw it, for an impeachable offense is whether a majority of the House of Representatives considered to be a given moment in history. So it's pretty loose here. By the way, no official has ever been charged with treason. Three officials have been charged with bribery. Of those, two proceeded to trial and were removed, Judge Archibald and Judge Alcee Hastings. And uh, those of you who are my age remember Alcee Hastings. He got kicked out of his federal judgeship. I think he later ran for office, and I think he was in the Congress. The remaining charges against all other officials fall under the category of high crimes and misdemeanors. And so some defendants have argued that the impeachment is like a, a criminal trial, but it's really not. It's different from a criminal trial, and it's a little different from a civil trial. It's somewhere in between because in a criminal trial, if you lose, if you're found guilty, you got to give up something. you got to pay a fine you got to go to jail. you got to do some public service work for free. Something happens to you. You lose something. You lose time or money or your freedoms, but that doesn't happen if you're uh, impeached and removed from office. You're removed from office. And so it's not like a civil suit because in a civil suit, you're going for money. You're suing for damages. And so 
the president or the vice president or the secretaries of state and and different different branches of government and federal judges they don't have to pay any money in damages to the country and in fact they can still get their full retirement benefits so if they've served and met all the requirements for uh, getting their 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 retirement benefits and their health care and all that even though they've been impeached and removed they still get all that so even if by some small chance President Trump were removed from office he could still get his retirement and his health care and all the other perks that go along with having been president pretty fascinating isn't it it's it's a wondrous thing the way our Constitution works wondrous thing well I'm going to go grab a cup of Joe, and I want you guys to come right back. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and you're at TheAnswer.com. Come on back, everybody. I'm here for you. Dan Marino passing to Hoodie and the Blowfish. It's a With SRN News, I am Michael Harrington in Washington. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has convened a key ruling party meeting to decide on steps to bolster the country's military capability. The meeting comes amid speculation the North could abandon diplomacy with the U.S. and launch either a long-range missile or a satellite-carrying rocket if Washington does not accept its demand for new incentives to salvage faltering nuclear negotiations by the end of the year. President Trump encouraging young conservatives to stand up to the radical left days after he was impeached by the House. Mr. Trump told students in West Palm Beach, Florida last night at the Turning Point USA conference that, quote, each of you are on the front lines of defending our way of life. And authorities say a fire in a downtown Las Vegas apartment building killed six people yesterday. More than a dozen others were hurt. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727 727- 7384 Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. This is Charles Osgood for Exergen. You know, when our five kids were growing up, someone was always getting sick. But when you tried to take anybody's temperature... All chaos would break out. When you're struggling with a fussy, squirmy kid, there's no value in those old-fashioned thermometers we used to use. Now my grandkids have it easy. The Exergen Temporal Scanner has changed all that. Just swipe it over the forehead and you get a fast, accurate reading. You don't even have to wake them up. And it's so easy, even Grandpa can do it. And that's what I call real value. Hi, I'm Trina Webster. 
And I'm Dan Webster. For 10 years, we've talked about Z-Quiet, the ultimate solution that has ended snoring for millions. And now we're excited to introduce the perfect solution for anyone that sleeps next to someone with untreated loud snoring. It's called Quiet on Sleep, the world's first snore-canceling earbuds. Quiet On's European technology targets the exact frequency and sound of snoring and literally acts like a noise eraser. Its compact design won't interfere with pillow comfort, and it doesn't use Bluetooth or emit radio waves. If you have a snoring partner, this innovation is your sleep salvation. So whether you snore or share a bed with someone who does, Z-Quiet will keep you sleeping together peacefully through the night guaranteed. If you snore or sleep with someone that does, go to getzquiet.com. Right now, try our original Zquiet snoring solution for 30 days for only 9.95. Go to getzquiet.com. That's getzquiet.com. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. A windy day today with gusts up to 30 miles per hour. Periods of rain, some of which will be heavy along with a thunderstorm, which could bring damaging winds, even an isolated tornado. We'll have a high today of 71. Breezy this evening with periods of rain against some heavy along with a thunderstorm. Then a late night shower in spots. Low tonight, 62. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. You and me, we come from different worlds. You like to laugh at me when I look at a girl. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. We're talking at you on AM860, The Answer. And what's our FM station again, Ken? FM. Yeah, that's FM 93.7 there. 93.7. Oh, boy, we are the answer. <laughs> and you can reach me at 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600 if you want to jump in on this, talking about impeachment and some of the history of it. By the way, federal judge, judges are the subject of the most impeachments. In fact, 15 of 19 officers impeached. And all eight officers who have been removed by the Senate trial have been judges. You know, that's a high-risk uh, position there because you get a lot of bribes thrown at you. And so that uh, is where a lot of these uh, uh, impeachments and removals have happened is w- with the federal judiciary. <clears throat> so the Senate's going to try the accused, and that's President Trump. And in the case of the impeachment of a president, the chief justice is the presiding judge. And the uh, the senators don't really speak or, or do a lot. They don't interact. I mean, they just sit and listen. They're like a jury. So the arguments for and against will be presented, as I said earlier, by the House of Representatives. They're the prosecuting attorneys and by the defendant, which is the president and his people. And there's a lot of rules that have gone into impeachment, and that includes Jefferson's manual which is integral to the rules of the House of Representatives. And the House practice, a guide to the rules, precedents, and procedures of the House also has a lot of information on how they do this. And uh, that's been revised in 1974 uh, as a preliminary investigation into the Nixon impeachment. They updated all of that, and they prepared a report called the Constitutional Grounds for Presidential Impeachment. And then that was revised again in October of 2015, huh, imagine that, right before Trump's going to be elected and come into office. Impeachment and removal, it was the update there. So what power does the Congress have to investigate? Well, the Supreme Court says they have all the power, every power. 
and that they can do whatever is necessary to get to what they consider to be the truth. And so there have been uh, attempts, multiple attempts to impeach different presidents and including James Buchanan back in the 18th, what was he, the 1830s, I think Buchanan got in. And he said, I do therefore solemnly protest against these proceedings of the House because they are in violation of the rights of the coordinated executive branch of the government and subversive of its constitutional independence. So he thought that that was uh, stepping on the separation of powers because they are calculated to foster a band of interested parasites and informers ever ready for their own advantage to swear before an ex parte committee, that means one-sided secret committee. So this is not new that the House had their, their initial hearings in secret to pretended private conversations between the president and themselves as Trump is saying that these people are just making up stuff because they're mad or they got booted out of office or they have some political bias and they are themselves incapable from their nature of being disproved. You can't disprove it because some guy came in and said, well, I was listening to Trump's conversation and I know that he offered a bribe to the president of the Ukraine. And of course, other people will come along and say, no, "I never heard that." And I'm Secretary of State, or I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the Chief uh, National Security Advisor, or whatever. And so, Buchanan, rightly so, was saying, "Look, if you do this, all you're doing is you're fostering a lot of gossip and a lot of uh, people who will say bad things about the president for whatever reason, even though they're not true." And it'll be material for harassing, degrading uh, the president in the eyes of the country. And he thought that the House of Representatives, President Buchanan, had no general powers to investigate him unless they were sitting as an impeaching body. Uh, but the Supreme Court said no. Uh, there can be no doubt as to the power of Congress by itself or through its committees to investigate matters and conditions relating to contemplated legislation. And since they are the legislative body, basically anything they do is legislative. So we've had some pretty, uh, some pretty, pretty bad presidents who were not impeached. And no presidents have been removed from office. Uh, we had Warren Harding and his, uh, corrupt uh, administration. He's considered one of the most corrupt administrations of the 20th century, but he died before there were any impeachment proceedings. And in the 19th century, we had uh, Andrew Johnson, who, similar to President Trump, is being harangued by a very partisan uh, Congress. The House of Representatives was the consisted of the radical Republicans, and they had the overwhelming majority in both the House and the Senate, and he barely was acquitted of the charges against him, pretty much the same charges they're bringing against Trump. So <clears throat> it's all repetitious. It comes back to us again and again. Now, Buchanan, who was the president right before Lincoln, and he is considered one of our worst presidents, along with uh, uh Harding and Jimmy Carter and a few others. Uh, the, he's probably the worst president of the 19th century because his actions and inactions uh, led to the dissolution of the Union and the Civil War. And so he has that hung, hung on his head, and uh, he went back home in, in uh, disgrace. 
And what had happened there, although he was never impeached, he uh, he sided with the Supreme Court when it uh, found against Dred Scott. Now, who's Dred Scott? Dred Scott was a slave who had been taken from slave territory to free territory. And he said, well, look, since I have been taken to free territory, I'm now a free man. I'm no longer a slave. My wife and my children and I are now freed people. And they had taken him back to slave territory. So the country was split. And even even uh, uh, territories like Kansas and Nebraska were split. Maybe not Nebraska, but Kansas. And so <clears throat> he went to court and he sued for his freedom, first in Kansas, uh, then in uh, federal district court, and finally it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the, the big trial was Dred Scott versus Sanford in 1857. And this was a landmark decision. And the Taney Court said that under the Constitution, uh, no black person was considered or could be considered uh, a citizen of the United States, according to the Constitution. Well, they thought this would calm things down. The Supreme Court did. And, of course, it just tore the country apart even more. The Northerners, they said, what are you talking about? Uh, how can you say that? I mean, a citizen's a citizen. If he's free, he's free. There's nothing in the Constitution that says if you're black, you can't be a citizen. And so then the Northeasterners, who were anti-slavery abolitionists, they were furious. And Buchanan sided with the Supreme Court. So he was saying, I'm, I'm all for upholding the uh, Dred Scott decision, and I think Dred Scott should go back to being a slave. Well, this just tore the country apart. And they would have impeached him had he been reelected, uh, but uh, he wasn't. He said, I'm going to serve one term, and he left, and that's what he did. And he is considered uh, the worst president of the 19th century, certainly one of the worst presidents of all of our history. And then we had the very corrupt regime of Harding. He escaped impeachment by dying. And Jimmy Carter, who was a complete idiot and destroyed our foreign policy for 50 to 100 years and embroiled us in the, uh, in the Middle East uh, wars that are still going on, uh, he... Uh, was not elected to a second term, so there was never any uh, attempt to impeach him. And so we've had very few presidents that have been impeached, three presidents, Andrew Johnson, Bill Clinton, and Donald Trump. And Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton were both later acquitted. Andrew Johnson by a few votes in the Senate, and Bill Clinton pretty, uh, almost pretty evenly he was acquitted. Uh, so he was pretty safe all the way. There's been one cabinet secretary and one U.S. senator. And now Donald Trump. And it's if Nancy Pelosi turns it over to the Senate, the articles of impeachment, it'll go to trial. And so we've got a big battle brewing. But Mitch McConnell has already said, and I think that everybody pretty well knows this, even, even my son, who is a moderate, and who thinks Trump is not the best human being on earth said, what's the difference? He's going to be reelected. The Senate's not going to find him guilty. And indeed, James Buchanan even had a committee established in 1860 and submitted its final report 
and the committee found that Buchanan had not done anything to warn impeachment, but that he was the most corrupt administration since the adoption of the U.S. Constitution. Even though he himself was not corrupt, the people that he had appointed to different positions were corrupt. They did not like him. They didn't like Andrew Johnson, but, I mean, Andrew Johnson was doing the same thing that uh, Trump's doing. He was taking a stand against the House of Representatives and saying, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with their policies. I'm not going to listen to them, and I'm going to continue to pursue what I think is in the best interest of the country. And, and the House of Representatives said, we disagree with you. Andrew Johnson did not want to punish the South. The radical Republicans did after the Civil War, and uh, so they impeached him, but he was found not guilty. And so we've got two presidents that have been found not guilty after being impeached. And if history is any lesson to us, serves any, any uh, um, reminder of how this will go, I think the Senate, even if they were predominantly Democrats, I think they would be loath to impeach him. Now, you may have some people who know that the president is not going to be impeached vote for kicking the president out of office to uh, to play to their home base in their state or their their districts. But you can vote for a bill you don't agree with if you know it's not going to pass to make you look good in the eyes of your constituents. And that's a nice little trick that we can all do. By the way, there were unsuccessful attempts to initiate impeachment proceedings against John Tyler, George Bush, and Barack Obama. And John Tyler's impeachment was defeated in the House. And they even tried to impeach a Supreme Court Justice, William O. Douglas, and this was led by House Majority Leader Gerald Ford and later our President Gerald Ford after Nixon. And this didn't go anywhere. So Trump's been impeached, accused of crimes of soliciting the aid of a foreign government to gain information on Joe Biden, a political candidate challenging Trump. That's not technically correct. He is not challenging Trump. He is challenging other Democratic primary candidates. And the Federal Election Act does not define Joe Biden as a political challenger to Trump yet, because he has not been named his party's candidate, and it's not within the time frame for that, uh, for the Federal Election uh, act to come into play. I think it's three or six months. So there's there's a lot to a lot that has to go on before it becomes a, a, a situation where Trump is actually interfering with and getting uh, support made from a foreign government uh, to go against a political candidate. And he's also accused of obstructing Congress because he says I'm not turning things over to Congress that are executive privilege. And the Supreme Court says anything Congress wants, Congress gets. So Congress is saying, well, look at this. The president is flying in the teeth of the Supreme Court. Who does he think he is? And, of course, the Supreme Court likes to demur on fights between the House, the Senate, and the uh, executive branch, the legislative branch and the executive branch. The Supreme Court doesn't want to get in the middle of. And they say, well, you know. Congress is the 
legislative body, and so they have the power to do what they're doing. And it's not our place to interfere with that. The, the Constitution is, is very straightforward. The House will have the, the sole authority to impeach a president, and the boundaries are wide as to what they can impeach a president for, as Hamilton and Madison pointed out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's probably not a bad thing, although it is used with bad intentions. And there may even be some Republicans, I mean, some Democrats who actually believe that the president is bad for the country. Uh, and I've heard a number of people say, well, he's just a misogynist and he's a racist and this and that. Now, I don't know where they get this. I think it's just all from CNN and the, uh, and the liberal press because I surely haven't heard this. And I've listened to a number of his speeches, and I've even gone to one of his rallies when he was over here in Tampa. I didn't hear that. I heard uh, him say things that were inflammatory, but they weren't racist. I heard him call uh, female political figures names and taunt and tease them as if they don't do that to him, of course. So, you know, if you're going to, as I've said before, put your face out there in the public venue, then you better be able to take a little heat, whether you're male or female. So at any rate, we've got a lot of people that just viscerally do not like this man and want to see him out and think that he's bad for the country. The economy's booming. We're at peace. Uh, he's bringing troops home. He's forcing the, uh, the, the Saudis and the Turks to pick up their, their, their responsibilities in the Middle East. Uh, he's forcing the, the NATO members to pay more. He's imposing sanctions on countries that are not uh, practicing democratic values. And he's going after the Iranians because of their bad activities and their, their fomenting of uh, terrorism around the world and their attempt to build a nuclear weapon so they can destroy Israel. And he's supporting Israel, which many of us want and are just delighted to see after several of the past administrations have been lukewarm or even cool as the Barack Obama administration was and the Jimmy Carter administration was on being uh, fair and just with the Israelis. And the history of Israel in that region is uh, much more complex than people know and realize. And my sisters think that the Israelis are uh, committing uh, acts of, of, of uh, terrorism and mass murder uh, against the Palestinians. Of course, it's not true. That's a projection of what the Palestinians and the Arabs are doing to the Israelis. Uh, whether you think the Israelis have a right to exist or not is, is irrelevant. At this point, they're there, and how they're treated does matter. And so the president, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is doing a good job. And he's negotiating trade agreements, and he's putting the Chinese on the carpet and making them uh, behave more diplomatically and more democratically than they would otherwise if it wasn't for our, our uh, willingness to stand up for the Hong Kong uh, democratic protesters, the democracy-seeking people of Hong Kong. The, uh, undoubtedly, the, the Chinese, the Red Army would have marched in there and would have crushed them 
post haste, but they did not. They have not because we have put the spotlight on it and we are saying to the world and to the Chinese, hey, you've got to allow democracy within your country. And this is the starting point. And it's an infection, hopefully, that will spread the, the infection of democracy. We want that. We want this taken into countries like China and Russia, because that's the only way we're going to have these humongous countries with these tremendous resources and the ability to affect so much good and evil around the world brought responsibly into the world community. You say, well, it's not our place to tell everybody how to act and behave. Excuse me? Yes, it is. <laughs> it certainly is. We are the last best hope for humanity. And if it wasn't for England and her children, as I've said over and over and over again, it would indeed be a dark, terrible world. It, in, it would indeed. And I'm, for one, I'm very glad that the uh, English are out of the uh, European common market and out of the European Union. I think that's a, a tremendous step forward. And they've never really been, uh, uh, how would I put it? They've never been a brother or sister of the continental countries. A cousin, yes, but not a brother or a sister. They are really not in that, uh, that mold. So I think that we're seeing uh, a great time in history, and I think that once all of this is passed with the president and he's reelected, hopefully he will be a little bit more discriminative and discriminatory in who he chooses to keep in positions of power in his cabinets and in uh, various offices like the FBI and the CIA and the NSA. And uh, as uh, one senator said, he better be careful about getting the, the, uh, the spy agencies upset with you because they'll come back and get you. Well, we don't really know if that's true for the majority of the people in the FBI and the CIA. They may be happy. They may think that what has gone on at the top is, is really uh, uh, not in keeping with their morals and values, and they'll be glad to see people like Comey held to, held to account for their bad deeds. And, and I think that should be the way it goes, too. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm not, uh, I'm not one of these people who says, oh, let's just sweep it all under the carpet. Now, Mitch McConnell wants to have a quick trial and get it over with, two days, and be done with it. And I think in a lot of ways that may be more health, healthy and healing for the country. But that little bit of me that still is upset with the way that I've been treated personally because of my beliefs and because of my uh, political views and because of my uh, free enterprise views, I think, I think that that little bit of me would love to see a trial just to see if uh, we can bring to light some of the bad deeds that have been committed by these these uh, left-wing loonies and these uh, cowboy heads of, of departments and of uh, agencies like the FBI and the CIA. And I want to get some of these guys and uh, disgrace them, at, at least disgrace them. Now, my friend Al says he cannot, he cannot die until Hillary spends one night in jail. I said two nights in jail with Comey, and that would be punishment enough for both of them. Uh, Comey would be insane after two nights with Hillary. And that would work for me. So I'm all for that. Well, listen, everybody, it's getting near the end of the show. I don't want to end on a down note. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, uh, the best of the season. 
And whether you believe in God or you don't, and you believe Jesus is God or you don't believe Jesus is God, that's fine with me. He's a great guy. He's worth honoring. Let's remember the reason for the season. And how much time we got left, bud? We are seconds. looking at about 15 seconds right now 15 there, seconds. Doc. All right, put a little hoodie on, and I'm getting out of here, man. <laughs> Very good, Doc. Talk, I'm to out. You, talk to you later, buddy. Love Thanks, you sir. guys. Have a good holiday. Merry Christmas. <laughs>